Warning, this podcast contains mature themes from very immature people. When I was going to the dentist recently, I put on makeup because <laughs> I was kind of like, I want to do them the favor, you know, not, not, not saying nothing negative about my own face because we're trying not to do that. But I, I did try and spruce it up a little bit for the dental <laughs> hygienist. <laughs> I did remind myself how fucking useful eyebrows are god they are just the backbone of the face <laughs> yeah i don't know about you but my eyebrows are decidedly sisters and not twins as are my boobs <laughs> you know i've got these uh these italian eyebrows that that were were waxed back into like clown skinny early aughts eyebrows for years and years mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and have since recovered to be a a nice a nice shapely brow but they, uh, they're not quite even, <laughs> they're not quite symmetrical. And I do pencil them in, even though they're pretty, uh, substantial. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yours are again, beautiful and, and luscious in the way that is now in fashion. I find it so weird that body parts and like features can come in and out of style. Mm-hmm. Like I do think about, you know, like fucking seventies era eyebrows that were just these high penciled arches. Yeah. I mean, how many older female relatives are, are plucked bare because that was yeah. the style. Uh huh. I did have a lot of great aunts who sort of, had you know like the ridiculous wigs and the crazy uneven penciled on eyebrows and stuff that I always allowed to be a cautionary tale in my life yeah Um, but I am so pleased to live my sexual prime in the era of the big booty oh Mm. man Mm -hmm. this uh this dumb truck that I'm carrying around is, (laughs) is pleased is pleased to be in fashion right now because if I was this age in the 80s when they were like Articles that were like, don't get a stair stepper or you'll get a huge ass. <laughs> I would not be would not be living my best life. <laughs> As a great philosopher once said, I like big butts and I cannot lie. Look into his eyes. They're the eyes of a man obsessed by sex. Welcome to Let's Get It On Film, the all things sex in film and TV podcast. We're your hosts, Kate and Lauren. Hi, Kate. Hi, Lauren. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, you're happy this week and not excited. I am trying to change it up. Uh, I've noticed because <laughs> I edit the podcast, I've noticed my verbal tics. And it's infuriating. You only edit around mine, though. You're way nicer to me in the editing process than you are to you. Yeah, but I can also stand <laughs> your voice more. So <laughs> I uh, I seem to have crossed at some point into not minding the sound of my own voice. For some reason, these podcasts don't make my skin crawl mm. in the way that like hearing my own voice through a microphone does. Mm-hmm. I can listen to these and just totally zone out and pretend it's not me. Yeah. I mean, honestly, with the level of chopping and screwing I do, it's it's barely you. Okay, I could just be taking syllables from from different parts of your words and just mashing them all together. 
<laughs> well, I guess thank you for mostly not doing that. And mm-hmm. no thank you for taking credit for all the smart things that I actually say. <laughs> oh, uh, that's because I can't think of any right now. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. Okay. Oh, okay. We're coming that's with fine. a weird energy on episode 10. <laughs> <laughs> It's fine. Lauren's the bully this week. We like yeah. to we like to swap roles every now and then. I'm a bad guy. Um, so Lauren, let's talk about our topic this week. Mm. We have sort of a sort of a nuanced thing to bring our beloved audience this week, which is scenes that we love to hate or hate to love. Yes. Very unique in that it's not about the scene themselves. It's it's about our reaction to the scenes. Indeed. Tell me what it means for you to hate to love or love to hate a scene. I find I find there are certain scenes that I really wish didn't do it for me <laughs> the way that they do. Uh, and mm-hmm. it kind of is like revealing something about myself that I don't necessarily want to look at too closely. (laughs) Why is this the thing that I just have to watch over and over? uh, And why, why can't it be something else? Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, In my case, often there are scenes where my initial reaction is like, Oh, that was so bad. Come on. And then Mm -hmm. am I going to watch that again? I'm going to go watch that again. Yeah. (laughs) I think like with love and hate in real life, there is a fine line. (laughs) I'm first this week. I have brought you Bodyguard, the Mm. 2018 British thriller drama series created by Sir Jed Mercurio, who is just very recently given um, an OBE. So he's Sir Jed Mercurio (gasps) now, who also created the show's Bodies in Line of Duty. Um, the show is starring Richard Madden of Game of Thrones. Uh, he's incredible in the show and won the Globe for lead actor for it. Uh, and Keely Hawes from Spooks and Death at a Funeral, who also, fun fact, is married to Matthew McFadden, who was the Mr. Darcy <gasps> in Joe Wright's Pride and Prejudice. Oh, and he was the guy in, in uh, Death at a Funeral. Oh, yes, correct. Uh-huh. Oh, OK. They co-starred in that. I think that's how they met. Okay, cool. Yeah, so Bodyguard really is a great fit for this topic, this love-hate episode based both on, you know, my feelings about this particular scene and also how these characters feel about each other, which is um, nice and layered. Mm. So Richard Madden, um, and forgive me if at any point I call him Steve Madden or John Madden or Benji Madden or Joel Madden (laughs) is in fact Richard Madden. Richard Madden, which my brain has trouble holding on to. Richard Madden plays P.S. David Budd of the Specialist Protection Branch of the London Metro Police, meaning he's assigned as special protection to important people rather than being like a beat cop. He's a bodyguard to important people. Mm, That would be hence the title, right? Indeed. Mm. Um, He's also a a combat veteran with like pretty severe and under-addressed PTSD. He's furious about the circumstances under which he found himself deployed to Afghanistan. He's pretty volatile and separated from his wife because of it. 
he's also very hypervigilant, which is, you know, a symptom of PTSD. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it actually saves his life in the opening of the first episode where he cottons on very quickly to the fact that the train he and his children are riding on is about to be targeted by a suicide bomber. Okay. Um, it, it, It kind of becomes one of those just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they aren't after you scenarios. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but because of uh, his job and his training, he acts very quickly and confidently and more importantly, compassionately to talk down a very young woman named Nadia from detonating uh, an explosive vest that she's strapped into in a train bathroom. He ascertains from her emotional state that Nadia's husband has put her up to the the messy work of martyrdom and that her heart isn't really in the jihad. Oh my god. So he 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 empathizes with her and protects her from a trigger happy bomb squad boarding the train and kind of talks everything down so that nobody dies, which is uh it's a really strong opening to the show, but it's also leaning like way into stereotypes about like radical Islam and stuff. So your mileage may vary, you know. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) so uh p.s david budd as a as a reward for these heroic actions he gets promoted from his job which is typically protecting visiting foreign dignitaries in london to being a protection officer for a uk cabinet member he gets promoted to protect the home secretary julia montague who's played by keely hawes the Home Secretary is like our head of Homeland Security. She oversees law enforcement and national security, immigration, that sort of thing. Okay. And they also imply constantly that she's making a power play for number 10. Oh, she wants to be prime minister. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Ah. So she's she's really ambitious. She's conservative and warmongering and surveillance loving. And she's like a super politician. And David hates that because he is so damaged from his time in the military. He doesn't trust politicians and definitely not ones like Julia. And he gets assigned to be basically her bodyguard. And despite the fact that he hates her and everything she stands for ragefully, he is unfailingly calm and polite with her. Mm -hmm. Um, It kind of became this thing after the show first came out. It was a huge hit where people were really confused about their relationship because every scene Three or four times he calls her ma'am. But of course, in <gasps> Britain, if you're mm-hmm, if you're calling mm-hmm. someone ma'am, it sounds more like mom, except Richard Madden is Scottish, so it sounds more like mum. And so everyone all over the world was like, is he calling her mom? Is she his mom? Are they <laughs> is she his mother? Are they <laughs> but it's like yes, ma'am, no ma'am, whatever you say, ma'am. I'm mm-hmm. here to please you, ma'am, whatever. He is just so 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 calm and polite despite the fact that you can see his his rage and distaste bubbling under the surface at every moment Mm. and uh, they get off very much on the wrong foot she's not very respectful of him she barely looks at him she tells her driver to ignore his orders about driving a safer route home from work Mm. she doesn't acknowledge him when he does things like open her car doors for her which is you know part of his job as her protection officer but should also probably come with you know like a nod or something (laughs) to acknowledge the fact that he's doing something for her you know it's just a lot of kind of ungratefulness and entitlement that really sets them off on the wrong foot Mm -hmm. it sounds like classic rom-com kind of contrived, you know, disagreeable, like, forces that then will melt away to something more intimate after. It's definitely a meat ugly, but it yeah. doesn't ever hit rom-com territory. This is a this is a drama thriller through and through. Oh, okay. 
so they do obviously <laughs> end up romantically or sexually involved, but it's not um it's not a happily ever after situation, right? But she does mm-hmm. apologize and call herself a total cow when she reads a report about the prevented train attack and realizes that it's him that prevented it. Um, so it's a little unclear if it's because she becomes aware that he's kind of a national hero and she should treat him with a little bit more respect or if it's like a reality check about how capable and good at his job he is. Uh, either way, she kind of lays off a little and they settle into kind of a peaceful, if tense, arrangement. Okay. But they play off this weird tension effectively. Pretty early on in their time together, her assistant dumps coffee on her blouse just before a TV appearance. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Classic. And he strips off his white button down for her to wear. You know, so she's 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 putting on his shirt and he's just in that ballistic vest looking very sexy. Um, and it's kind of it's just like it's a lot. But he, okay. you know, through this whole thing, like he turns his back while she changes. So they're back to back, but they're both kind of like almost looking back at each other. <laughs> There's this very tense awareness of them being undressed together. Mm. Like they're very, very aware of this situation. And they're, they're really good at making the viewers feel that awareness. And David is just always on this knife edge of rage in her presence because of her politics and his issues. Um, but it's so suppressed that you feel it acutely. <laughs> You know what I mean? At any given moment, you're like, is he going to kill her? He might kill her. But then it's just like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> I mean, that's more like that's that's more like sociopathic. It's but it's like you almost feel for him, though, because he's like a he's like an injured combat veteran. He's got like these big scars on his mm-hmm. back. He's clearly been injured by like an IED or something. They don't really talk about it. But like mm-hmm. he's he's clearly feeling neglected by the system that sent him to face death in Afghanistan. And she's just like, a, mm-hmm. yeah, we got to take down the Taliban. Fuck the collateral damage. <laughs> and so at any given time, he's like, you think, oh, my God, he might snap and kill her uh and he'd be slightly justified (laughs) that's kind of the yeah that's that's what i'm getting now (laughs) that's kind of the mood of it all okay so it's it's an interesting balance and dynamic that they have to establish pretty quickly where it's just like there's a a deep powerful rage but also kind of like they get on okay it's it's interesting Hmm. you're not really rooting for them they don't have that much in common it's all just so tense that you're like what's gonna happen (laughs) okay okay that all does seem very fraught it's very fraught Uh, and it's supposed to be yeah so basically what happens is they kind of hit this interesting balance where they're working together and he's sort of like rageful under the surface and she's growing more and more fond of him and they're like okay and there then there's like this brutal sniper attack attempted assassination and david barely barely gets them out of it alive uh but it's really bloody and really traumatizing yeah and afterwards she calls him over to her safe house to debrief and get additional information she's really distressed and so he comforts her (laughs) and so starts this very strange affair that lives on this razor thin edge where David continues to learn things about her that incense him and also has sex with her. (laughs) All right. (laughs) It's, 
It's a lot. Yeah. Definitely doesn't sound like the healthiest dynamic. Oh, not even a little bit. (laughs) Wildly unhealthy. I can see, though, how it would make good TV. Yes. Um, And it's not it's not ever really like a romantic relationship as far as you can tell it's kind of like a it's it's mostly sexual in nature which is interesting enough in its own way mm. but it it makes it easier to kind of stomach this fact that you can clearly tell he has this deep distaste for her but is sleeping with her anyway yeah so allow me to uh, direct you to netflix mm, mm-hmm that's stupid. <laughs> now you know why I love to hate it and hate to love it. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. So this scene, this scene is obviously betrayed by that bit of dialogue. So betrayed by it. Yeah. I I love this scene for the build up. The anticipation here is everything they walk into adjoining hotel suites and from the second they enter they're both hyper aware of the door between them they look at it they think about it Mm -hmm. they both take off their jackets david sort of like piece by piece takes off his earpiece his gun his tie he opens his collar which gets me absolutely panting for some reason to see him open (laughs) his collar you see him have uh, very obviously this internal struggle. He kind of has this moment where he almost like, you know, bites his fist, kind of like uh, holding back kind of thing. And then they both linger near the door, just listening to see what the other is doing. And then from his side, you see the lock open and the doorknob turn and she opens the door and he's standing right there as if he had knocked on the door. Oh, okay. Because I had assumed that's what happened. And there was some sort of cut that we didn't see that. Okay, so she opens the door and he's right there. That's that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're both like very, very uh, aware of what's going on and what's between them and that this might happen that they're both thinking about it. And I don't I don't think it's a, a time jump or a cut. I think it's just very much like they're both really thinking about it. And so she opens the door and sort of initiates it. Mm -hmm. So the door opens. They share this weird look. He's got like resting murder face going and she's got a sad puppy look. Yeah. (laughs) It's a little unclear what's supposed to be happening there. If it's just sort of weird acting choices or if it's like he's supposed to be that ragey and she's supposed to be that like, we shouldn't be doing this, but we're going to do it anyway. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then he steps forward and he kisses her and he walks her back to some kind of accent table, I think. And she's kind of leaning back on it, kind of sitting on it. He loses his shirt and is again down to just this ballistic vest, which I'm so conflicted about because (laughs) mama like. Mama like? Mama like, but all cops are bad. I don't know why the ballistic vest does it for me. Okay. I know. I can't explain it. I can't explain it. I have no justification, but my God, Richard Madden in that fucking ballistic vest. (laughs) So like he's walked her back against this table. He pulls off her pants and then he reaches down to maneuver his dick and then like, boom, they fucking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they are. It's all so tense and so hot and so weird. 
And then we get this slightly ridiculous dialogue that just betrays the, the intensity of the whole scene. <laughs> He's literally fucking her and she says, my job, your job, it just complicates everything. And then they cut dramatically to be face on with David, still thrusting away. And he says, nothing complicates my job. It's to protect you. And then they cut to the credits. And it's so stupid. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> it's like, for one thing, for multiple points I have here, uh, for one thing, if they had just had the line, nothing complicates my job, period, cut to black. That would have been cheesy enough. So much better. But so much better. Yeah, would have been would have been better, but also terrible. Still bad. <laughs> but then they're like, in case you forgot what the show's called. <laughs> in case you forgot the contrived reason that these two are even together. It's to protect you. It's so stupid. <laughs> and the, the delivery of it. Like, again, Richard Madden is great. He's super talented. He won the globe for this role. He's a great mm -hmm. dramatic actor. But my God, that line is so cheesy. Yeah. The way they edited it, the smash cut to the credits after it just kind of contributed to the cheesiness of it all. Man, that's that dialogue is why I hate to love it and love to hate it. <laughs> The first time I saw this scene, I laughed out loud at the bad dialogue mm -hmm. and I made fun of it to my roommate and then very quickly retreated to my bedroom to watch it again yeah. and again yeah. and again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I yep. Yep. hate how horny this scene makes me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, I think you should because I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really attracted to either of these people. Richard Madden, I don't know what is wrong with his face, but there's something wrong with his face. He's got an interesting face, and I was not into him until I saw this show. Okay. I was not into him. I, I held strong through all of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. He plays Rob Stark in Game of Thrones, and I felt like the only person who survived Game of Thrones without a crush on him, just mm -hmm. being like, I don't know what's up with that face. But my God, I watched this show and I was like, oh no, do I have a crush on Richard Madden? <laughs> well, oh, I do, I do, yeah, I do. do. <laughs> he, he's clearly acting well, which is like kind of the most attractive thing I can say about him is that he's clearly doing a good job acting. But uh, no nothing about the way that this scene is shot, nothing about their met like chemistry. I don't see the chemistry. Like, I don't get it. I don't get this scene. It's weird. It's weird. There's so much tension, but it doesn't necessarily read as sexual tension. Yeah. It kind of reads more as this like weird, confusing, ragey tension. Yeah. They're clearly obsessive about each other. That's what I read from this is that they were both so fixated on the other person. They're, yeah, they're, they're very fixated in this moment. This is only supposed to be the second time they've gotten together. So the, the first time right after the attempted assassination where she's totally distraught 
Um, they have sex and then she kind of like throws on a robe and goes and hides in the bathroom until he leaves. Oh, oh no. So this is really the first time they've been alone again after that. Like he's been on duty as her bodyguard, which is all very yes, ma'am, no, Mm ma'am, kind of holding doors open and, and observing her meetings at the office and whatever. But they're like, you know, to make sure you're safe, we're putting you in these adjoining hotel suites. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so they are both just like, you're right there, you're right there, you're right there, you're right there, you're right there. <gasps> and you can feel that as you watch it. But it doesn't necessarily read as like, oh, these two people are in love or very sexually attracted to each other. It reads as like, they're just so aware of each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost like they're just fucking for something to do. Like, it, I don't know. It's like they almost seem compelled. To fuck rather than wanting to. Yes. And this is low-key shallow, but I see more why this character, Julia, would want to fuck her hot young bodyguard Mm -hmm. than why he would want to fuck her because she's, you know, she's at least a decade older than him. And, like, they're both fine looking, but neither of them are, like, supermodels. But he's yeah. kind of, like, hunky and fit because it's part of his job. And he carries a gun, wears a ballistic vest, and is very... He's, you know, he would inspire that, like, uh, that like competency kink, maybe. Seeing <laughs> what... He's, he's very, very good at what he does. Yeah. And she's just... She's just this politician who he just despises everything that she is and everything that she's about. And she's, like good looking for a middle-aged lady but like she's a middle-aged lady (laughs) yeah and so i would get more why she'd be after him than why he'd be after her especially considering this sort of hatred that he has but i I don't know i can't i can't explain it and i find it very compelling (laughs) okay i mean sometimes it's all you need yeah i can definitely see the drama Uh, yeah it's absolutely a thriller and parts of it are interesting and parts of it are uh, offensive. There was sort of a lot of backlash about its portrayal of like Islamic extremism mm-hmm. and sort of leading into stereotypes there, not doing the work to to sort of tell the other side of the story mm-hmm. in terms of like, here's how people get radicalized. Here's why this happens. Here are the here's the cultural context for why this happens and mm-hmm. sort of how. European colonialism is partly to blame for that kind of mm-hmm. uh, reactionary horror. Um, they, they don't really get into that. They just kind of lean into here's a guy who's a British police officer and what he's up against is, is, uh, is Islamic extremism. <laughs> I, I, I know I'm, I'm jumping way ahead, but, uh, I don't like how this scene looks, even visually. <laughs> There's just nothing visually that interesting. Aside, it, it again just highlights the good acting because they're yeah. just in sterile hotel rooms. Let me get into the stop rating because I have some thoughts about how the production value and the production choices play into the scene versus the show as a whole. So stop. Let's break it down and rate it one through five. Woohoo! Stop. <laughs> stop. Um, so first is soundtrack. And honestly, I'm just going to give it a one. It's just kind of this eerie, uh, like 
creepy sort of atmospheric music it's just the score right it's not a song Mm -hmm. it's just like original score but it creates this false tension that's kind of unnecessary in this already strange and overly tense moment like Mm -hmm. this music makes it sound like somebody's about to get murdered when really they're just gonna have sex right so i don't i don't love it i think it's too much so I'm I'm not going to rate that highly. Um, again, no good additions to the Fuck Jams playlist, which is tragic. Good, I don't know. It, <laughs> you can't you can't get sexy choked to a song like that. I don't know. <laughs> is that the criteria? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you can't though. I mean, Maybe that's true. not the criteria, but I'm putting it out there. No, it's true. You, you cannot get recreationally choked to music that creepy. I'm sorry, I'm not over it yet. I'm sorry. Give me a moment. I'm just imagining. I'm just imagining like like you you put the playlist on random and it goes from my heart will go on to that. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> um time is next. I'm gonna give it a two. It's super short. It's only yeah. like 30 seconds of actual interaction. I could stand to spend a little more time in this moment with them and kind of feel out what the hell's going on. But it is really that anticipation at the front end where they're Mm -hmm. in their separate rooms and they're both looking and thinking and undressing. That's the part about the scene that's uh, actually very sexy for me. Yeah. But but really the time I want to spend more time in it. So it's a little short for me. I agree. I mean, I think it's important to show this decision being made on both sides because they're clearly, I mean, he's certainly agonizing over it mm-hmm. and it's beautiful to watch him come to that decision in that tight close up. Love that. Love when yeah. you can see that acting choice. So that that's all a part of it because I think it, even if, as I've said, the kind of motivation for why they're fucking is very murky. It, it, it really, <laughs> helps to see how difficult a decision this kind of is like that really lends so much more weight to the fact that then the door opens and they're together i totally agree with you there that's exactly what it is is sort of watching them go through the process of making the decision even though they both know it's not a good idea which is Mm -hmm. kind of like you know, she it's evidenced by her saying, you know, my job, your job, it complicates everything. She's kind of like, oh, it's not a good idea because we work together. And he kind of poo-poos that <laughs> like, you know, nothing complicates my job. But obviously, you know, it's not a good idea for him because he's like murder ragey about who she is as a person. <laughs> so I mean, it's, uh, it's not very professional. Like just even if he did like her as a person, like you still shouldn't fuck the people that you're supposed to be bodyguarding. Apparently, nothing complicates his job, oh, though. Apparently, nothing. He's, nothing he's very his compartmentalized job. and he can save her life and fuck her. Yeah. And remind me, what was his job again? He's her bodyguard. He's a no, personal protection officer. That was me trying what? to lead you into saying to keep you safe. What was, what was the last? It's to protect you. To protect you. <laughs> I was trying to lead you into that. Sorry. I'm sorry. Do you want me to do another dramatic delivery of the line? Yes, please, actually. Nothing complicates my job. It's to protect you. Yeah. But imagine I'm like fucking you while I say it. I always. Okay, maybe not. Not fucking you, <laughs> fucking someone. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
it's it's something about the fact that he's delivering the line again brutally calmly very calm very polite just just thrusting away (laughs) so weird such a weird moment yeah i agree more time should have been spent before those awful scene ruining lines (laughs) um yeah so it's it's short. So let's dive into authenticity, which we kind of touched on already. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a two. Uh, my God, there's no foreplay at all. <laughs> no. There's no protection. There's no communication. It's no. a bad idea. They're coworkers. It's a conflict of interest. The sex cannot be that pleasurable. Yep. I, my, I mean, there's... They're fucking against a, an accent table when they're in a fucking hotel suite. They could be on a bed. I, I, I don't know. That's I don't a good know. point. I wasn't sure what it was, that table or whatever. I, was, I wasn't sure if that was like a desk or something. But yeah. Something. Like some, just, they just get as far into the door as they need to hoist her onto something. And then he's basically pushing in. It's yeah ridiculous. So all that, however, okay. <laughs> I kind of exist with this lifelong fantasy of a like a sexy hotel suite situation. There's something inherently titillating about staying in a hotel. You know, people like go stay in a hotel for like a special romantic occasion or, you know, we we were just talking on a call the other day about how. Um, when I go away for a long weekend or like to stay in a hotel alone, I always get psyched up to do something slutty and then I don't. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah. I think it's because there's something inherently titillating about a hotel. There's something kind of what happens in a hotel stays in a hotel. I mean, does it or does it have lasting complications throughout the drama? I mean that. Yeah. OK. I mean, I do know what you mean, uh, because a uh, spoiler for later in the episode my scene also takes place in a hotel room. So we've both got this sort of like liminal space out of reality. That, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's we've we've got this vibe in both of our scenes. Yeah. Okay, so heat is next. Okay, I'm eager to hear what you have to say. Heat, I give a four. In In the grand scheme of this show, if you watch this show, it's so hot because you're way more invested than you are just kind of watching the scene like mm-hmm. you are. Mm-hmm. But the tension in the lead up to all this is so scorchingly hot that it's kind of hard to breathe through. Their whole relationship is like a big slather of icy hot. You have no <laughs> idea how to feel about it. And I'm Ice. such a slut for that for some reason. Uh, <laughs> I'm a huge slut for Madden in this ballistic vest that he's always wearing. I yeah. I love that he does that thing where there's like a realistic fumble to get the dick in. You know, mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, we've established. We've established. Aside from that, and here's where the bias comes in. I am deeply irrefutably, irrecoverably attracted to Richard Madden and his dumb Scottish accent and his dumb streak of gray hair. Mm-hmm. He gives off this big bicon energy and he gets <laughs> he gets these great write-ups that say things like uh, Madden shrugged unbothered by the question but in no hurry to answer it when people prod him with questions about so whether or not he's dating about whether or not he's dating the men that he lives with. <laughs> it's just the best, you know. I I 
adore him. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I have a feeling I'm going to fundamentally disagree with you on this point uh, because I just don't I don't get it. I'm sorry. I don't get it. I didn't either until I watched the show. Well, but there is something very masculine about him in this show in ways that I wish didn't turn me on. But Mm. he's very capable. He's very decisive. He's very tough. He is uh, also broken and vulnerable, which is a nice twist to that. But I mean, he knows how to use a gun and he's always wearing a suit and he's like trying to win back his wife and he's fucking the shit out of someone else. <laughs> there are, like all these things that like <laughs> and you're like he's this like perfect, he, perfect I don't, man. Like I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna like him, but my God do I like this character even though he's he's like he's a fucking mess. He's volatile yeah. and he he needs psychiatric help. Mm-hmm. He's deeply damaged, but my God am I attracted to him. Okay. I, I mean, I don't have to defend myself no, to yeah, you. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad that you have love in your heart and like the capacity. You're like, I'm glad you're not a sociopath. It's like, it's just good to feel things. You know, it is good. It is good. Uh, and Richard Madden makes me feel things in the sort of general groin area. That's mm, where he makes mm, me feel okay. things. <laughs> well, that's good too. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, heat's heat's way up there. I think this is really hot. I think if you watched the show, you would agree with me. But totally get if um, just this scene out of context doesn't do it for you. Yeah, it's probably the the lack of context. And and other factors that I've mentioned, but it I un, I support you and your decisions. Thank you. It's kind of you. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the production value. Because um, mm-hmm. I I agree with you. The scene doesn't do much in terms of production value, but the production value of the show overall is exquisite and i think you Mm. see bits of that sort of like drift into the scene but they don't work as effectively here right Mm. so they do they make these really interesting artistic choices with the editing and the framing and the visual effects to basically give us david's point of view while he constantly scans his surroundings for threats Mm. things come in and out of blurriness and clarity and the sound kind of goes in and out and something happens where they're like oh david they need you upstairs there's a threat and everything around him goes like dead silent while he tries to like center himself and get you know mentally prepared to go face whatever's going on that's a threat and it's like you kind of see elements of that all play into the scene but you're just going they're just fucking what is all this (laughs) (laughs) and so when it's him on a train with his kids and you see him clock a guy on the train platform disassemble a cell phone and throw it in the trash and then Mm. you see him kind of look up and see someone else doing something on their tablet on the train and then you see him look at a window and watch someone else's reflection while they talk to a friend you're kind of like Oh, that's interesting. He really knows what's going on. He's very aware. He's watching. He's on, he's on, you know, high alert. He's ready to take care of the problem. My God. But in this moment, you're like, why is everything so fucking intense? Just go have sex. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I can see what you're saying. They play with the focus, uh, certainly while he's coming to this decision. I mean, it's it's probably because of the setting that it's so bland to me. But honestly, this feels like, I mean, not to be a bitch, but this feels like something I would see on CBS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. It it all comes off as very bland in comparison to the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not totally sold on the acting. The acting is in sort of the buildup is good, mm-hmm. but not not in the dialogue. So maybe it's Clearly. like the staging or the choreography or whatever's got them like <laughs> fucking in a weird place for no reason. You know, mm-hmm. like. The editing, to a certain extent, is effective, again, in the buildup and the anticipation, but mm-hmm. it contributes to that last line being so cheeseball. Yeah, it, that's I hate that. So, you know, I, like, I give it a three, mostly because the rest of the show is great. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to take your word for it on the rest of the show. Uh, I, I think they are making interesting acting choices and interesting camera choices in the anticipation. And then everything, once the door opens, is kind of bleh. It's fair. That All that said, I feel I know a little bit more about you as a person. <laughs> I would just like to state one more time for the record, mm-hmm. uh, ACAB. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Kate. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. You're so welcome. <laughs> Uh, and I have a scene for you, Kate. I'm so ready. I have a scene. I I have alluded to this scene in previous episodes. I hate this scene <laughs> so much because it turns me on so much. <laughs> Basically, I'm Homer Simpson, and this scene is uh, Stupid Sexy Flanders. I'm sorry. I obviously don't watch enough of The Simpsons to understand what the fuck you just said to me. Does Homer <sighs> Simpson want to fuck Ned Flanders? Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that there's like deep debates on the internet about that. Uh, but there is a a, a joke in The Simpsons where he's wearing a, a little a ski suit and he's like, it feels like I'm wearing nothing at all. And it's too distracting for Homer when he skis. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> you know how um, the lowest form of comedy is trying to describe visual meme to someone. I think we found, <laughs> I think we found another layer of that. Okay. All right. Tell me, tell me about why this scene makes you uh, horny in a way that you wish it didn't. Okay. I'm annoyed because I'm probably going to use all of that. <laughs> um, okay. So the scene that I have brought to you is from a 2017 film called Disobedience. Yeah, I don't know if you had a reaction to that, but it seems like no. Okay. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I know what it is. Um, I just thought there was going to be more to that sentence. No, nope. so I didn't want to <laughs> cut you took off. The pause. <laughs> now, I, I described it to you when uh, I 
was getting ready to watch it as, oh, I have to watch the sad Jewish lesbians, which is Indeed. a um, simplification, but not inaccurate. <laughs> so <laughs> this film is based on a novel by Naomi Alderman, who uh, this is an interesting fun fact. Uh, who started out by writing Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan fiction. I love that. I love uh, fan fiction supremacy. Yeah. And that ladies are like, yeah, whatever. I did write that shit. Live with it. She went on to win so many awards. And it's like, if it wasn't for fan fiction, we may not have gotten uh, beautiful, unique perspectives on the world. So... (laughs) Fuck off, haters. Okay, wait, one step back. If it weren't for Joss Whedon, you'd never oh, have disobedience. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> How does that make you feel? Love to hate it now. Oh, no. <laughs> Somehow, that connection didn't occur to me. But you're absolutely correct. There you go. Oh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the book and the film are kind of loosely based on Naomi Alderman's real life background. Uh, she came from uh, the Orthodox Jewish community in London. And uh, she then went to New York in uh, America. I'm going to cut that. <laughs> oh, that New York. Not Old Gosh. York, New York. <laughs> you know, sometimes when I'm struggling... You make it absolutely clear that if I was drowning, you would not throw me a rope. So the amazing, beautiful, perfect, gorgeous Rachel Weiss plays the main character uh, whose name is Ronit. She is the uh, woman who has fled the community and is now coming back for her father's funeral. Rachel Weiss really was the champion of this project. She read the book and she was really drawn to the character of Renit. So she actually optioned the rights to the book herself. Hmm. Yeah. And gathered uh, producers and she contacted the director, uh, Sebastian. God damn it. Leliu, Sebastian Leliu. And they're just trying to trip me up at this point. It's, it's so hard. (laughs) so hard for me um so Rachel Weiss it, it it seems as though this was a passion project is now a good time for me to say I have the same feelings about Rachel Weiss that I do about Emmy Rossum which is like you just say the word baby and I'll never look at the dick again Rachel Weiss is my Gail Harold. no is that <laughs> uh-huh yeah that's interesting she was she was quite formative I just like her face and it doesn't matter that she's considerably older than me. I would let her do unspeakable things to my body. There are a few like deeply middle-aged married couples that I would like to find myself uh, forming a sandwich with. And mm-hmm. Rachel Weiss and uh, Daniel Craig are one of those married couples where I'm like, oh my God. Do you think they want to have a threesome with me? I would love to have a threesome with them. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I've, I've kind of alluded to the, the basis of the plot. Uh, the dad dying is kind of the impetus for her to come back to this community. But it quickly becomes 
clear that the crux of the story is not necessarily the grief that she's going through. It's her struggle against the community itself and the doctrines that she was raised in is the relationship between Ronit and Dovid's wife, Esty, who's played by Rachel McAdams. I'm not going to mention him very much, This the guy who plays Dovid, um, Alessandro Nivola, but uh, he is incredible. I was struck by how good an actor he was. Well, is she is she back just like for a funeral, just for a period of mourning? Or is she like, oh, dad's dead. I got to move back to my Orthodox community. No, it's at first it's to honor him. Uh, the Jewish faith has um, the, the Shiva mm-hmm. and Orthodox uh, Jews have, as I understand it, which not very well, I can say for sure, has a lot, a lot of rituals around mourning yes gotcha okay so uh it becomes clear that this strange relationship between ronnie and Esty is hiding something from their past and the film really shows rather than tells that tension because they go from kind of barely being cordial with each other and a deep awkwardness to suddenly having a very heated kiss. Hmm. From there, it all kind of tumbles out that their friendship ran much deeper. They had a sexual relationship when they were teenagers. And that while Ronit is bisexual and hasn't really been with any other women besides Esty, uh, Esty is a lesbian, has always been a lesbian. And when... Runny and Esty's relationship was discovered. Esty was essentially forced into a marriage to cure her. Okay. Yeah. If I didn't mention already, this movie's pretty bleak. Yeah. But yeah, so once they kiss, it's kind of like this dam breaks. And they start reliving their childhood romance. They go to the same places they used to kiss as teenagers. and. They escalate very quickly into this sort of terrifyingly transgressive intimacy. And there's a few twists and turns that I don't want to give away. But at one point, uh, Esty is distraught. And Ronit decides she's going to take Esty away from the Orthodox community just for a day. And they go on the tube through London and they go to a hotel. (laughs) And once they get to the hotel, There's no uh, pretending. There's no coyness. They just immediately get down to business and start fucking. Got it. And so the so the transgressive nature of their intimacy is that like it's transgressive because they're lesbians or is it transgressive because they're doing weird shit? (laughs) It's transgressive because no value judgment attached to weird shit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think everything comes from the fact that they are a women in a strictly patriarchal uh, sex delineated community. They are B women who are attracted to other women, which is not allowed because marriage and popping out babies is what women do in this community. Also, she is married and SD is married. And therefore, even if even if, if the lesbian angle wasn't there, this would still be wildly 
uh, out of line for her code of ethics and the morality of this community. Gotcha. And I think all of that makes it so that when they actually do have sex, they are doing some weird shit. (laughs) Please hit me with some weird shit. I'm so ready. All right. So uh, immediately we're on a a pretty tight close-up of the two of them kissing in profile. Just beautiful Rachel Weiss. Oh, God, her profile is amazing. Uh, and Rachel McAdams, we've we've talked a lot about Rachel Weiss. Rachel McAdams is not uh, not slacking in the looks department either. She's gorgeous. She's she's very naturally gorgeous in this scene because yeah. she's, I think, yeah. you know, sort of supposed to look kind of plain and unmade up mm-hmm. in this. And it it does just sort of emphasize the fact that she's gorgeous either way, which is yeah. shitty and unfair of her. <laughs> yeah. So you've kind of alluded already to the first action that really takes place is uh, Renit pushes the wig off Bessie's head. So the wig is an important part in Orthodox Judaism. The idea is that women have to cover their hair at all times. It's as a, as a modesty thing. So they wear these wigs. And as soon as they're alone, Renit pushes that wig off and starts caressing her running her fingers through her hair and it's so intimate and it's made more intimate by the fact that this is of course not allowed by their faith or Essie's faith in in any case. And uh, there's a beautiful shot where they pull back to kind of look at each other and then Essie kisses and bites the meat of her thumb and starts kissing down Ranit's body to like suck on her breast. Everything that takes place is happening with their clothes still on, basically. Mm-hmm. She's like pulls down the neck of Renit's shirt so that she can suck on her tit. Beautiful, beautiful. It's all very dressed, and that kind of uh, contributes to the sexiness somehow because it's like they're going from like very modest to getting off together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the director had said that he really wanted to explore the possibility of portraying a very erotic and urgent encounter without nudity. And it really works. I mean, they don't get naked, but you see, like, for for instance, there's a beautiful tight close up of Rachel McAdams as she has her eyes tightly closed and she's just breathing and gasping. And then we see Renit licking her stomach where she's kind of like rucked up her shirt. Mm-hmm. Then she kisses her through the fabric of her clothing on her tits and is like sucking her through the fabric. It's beautiful and so erotic because you can kind of feel the texture as a, as, as a sensation. You can feel it like in your <laughs> mouth, basically. Yeah, uh, I've definitely been on the receiving end of that. And that is a very, a very sexy thing. Yeah. So we see this beautiful shot again of them in profile as SD puts her hand under Renit's panties, up, like down below the frame. And we see Renit gasp and their noses are kind of smushed together in a very cute, realistic way. There's what my note says there's some incredible tongue happening. <laughs> There's a there's a lot of tongue. They're very uh, sort of between kisses. There's a lot of like licking 
licking licking each yes. other's mouths licking around each other's mouths licking their yes. boobs licking her stomach there's a lot of mm-hmm. a, a lot of tongue action yes. very accurate the one of the really interesting moments for me is when i think it's rachel mcadams pulls her hand out of rachel vice's panties and then mm-hmm. rubs her fingers around her mouth yes. puts it on her mouth yes mm-hmm. oh, and then and then like deeply kisses her right after that. Oh, I, this is one of those things that I wish didn't turn me on as much as it does. I I mean, I'm right there with you. This is a very sexy scene. Okay, good, 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 good. This is a a very sexy scene. And there are moments where you're like, oh yeah, look at that tongue kiss. And then you're like, is she just licking her? Uh And it's sort of like, it's like everything goes just like a little further than you want it to, where you're like, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, all right, I'm back with you. All right, I'm, yeah, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> it's, like, it's a lot of that where you're like mostly on board. You're like just on board enough with everything mm-hmm. they're doing that when it gets a little weird, you're like, I guess. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And that kind of, I mean, it kind of makes me feel like I'm having sex with someone who's kind of like throwing in a few surprises here and there. And it's like, I'm still horny. But okay, I mean, I, I'll I'll give you some leeway here because I am very horny. But this may not be part of the usual rotation from here on out. I agree. Watching this scene is almost like it's almost like you're hooking up with somebody that you're very attracted to and you absolutely want to hook up with, but they like just kiss with a little too much tongue or something, and so yeah. you're like, okay, okay, all right, all right okay, we're not gonna, yeah, uh huh, oh yeah, yep, yep, oh, oh, okay, all right, okay, all right. Um, <laughs> But you're like, you're making allowances for it because the rest of it is yeah. so sexy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and it's funny that it is so sexy because truly they are just making out a lot and there's hands out of frame. Mm-hmm. It's not very explicit. They're not naked. And we barely see what's actually occurring. Like we don't see the details, but the moaning and gasping that they're doing and just the kind of like, again, texture and sensuality and the like wetness <laughs> of everything just makes it feel incredibly real and hot and sexual. It does. It sort of feels like it's targeted at women. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's very, it's very intimate and there's a lot of kissing and a lot of caressing. A lot of and faces. There's not there's a lot of faces, a lot of reactions. Yeah. Not a lot of nudity, not a lot of explicit action, mm-hmm. uh, whatever. It's just, it's very focused on sort of the, I guess, the the emotions. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A lot of the reaction to the pleasure and the reaction to the feelings and close-ups on, you know, the face and the eyes and, you know, where where you'd be witnessing that rather than you know, for example, lingering on a hand in the panties, which you only really yeah. get one shot of them yeah. getting each other off with their hands in their panties. Yeah. And it's it. I think the emotion, like you said, the emotion is so crucial because this is a real turning point in the film. This is when Estee is really is really asserting herself for the first time in a while, clearly. It's all about her kind of getting what she wants. And Rene is there and she's getting what she wants too. But it's really about how difficult it is and how out of character, at least out of the norm, 
this is for Esty. Uh, so let's talk about the spitting. Let's just <laughs> talk about the spitting. So there's this cut from them uh, on the floor, uh, kissing and, and making out. It's actually a quite cool position. Like Rachel Weiss is behind uh, Rachel McAdams and is kind of like kissing her over the shoulder, as we've mentioned on occasion. Mm-hmm. Then there's this cut to the infamous shot of Esty lying on her back on the floor as Ronit dribbles. Yep. <laughs> There's not really another word for it. She is just dribbling spit into her open mouth. That's that's really exactly what it is. Um, I've been told about this many times, probably like eight out of ten times from you. But yes, I've been told yes. so many times about this infamous spitting scene that I truly expected Rachel Weisz to hawk a loogie into her mouth. <laughs> but it's really way less intense than that, way more gentle than that. And it's, yeah. it, it reminds me more of uh, my beautiful laundrette where he's mm-hmm. just sort of like dripping the champagne from his mouth <laughs> into, uh, I can't remember their names, but you know, one guy's yeah. dripping yeah. champagne into the other guy's mouth. It's more like that, except it's only spit. So it's yes. gross. Yes. To me, to me, don't mean to cast judgment on humans who are into that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But it it does evoke that we're so intimate, we share everything kind of yeah. moment rather than like the, <laughs> the intense loogie hawking gay porn yes daddy situation I imagined <laughs> it to be. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean it's it's a different sort of purpose. It's not about like lubing anyone up it's not about you know the spit is just there because they are this close and they are this intimate and and the thing that really makes this shot work is that sd swallows and moans (laughs) and sticks her tongue out for more she (laughs) is so into this spit (laughs) (laughs) so it's it's like no matter what your sort of personal feeling about the the dribbling into another person's mouth you're seeing someone so clearly get off on that that it's kind of like i mean just as a as an empathy reaction you're kind of (laughs) turned on by it yeah I agree. And this is such a good example of, you know, hate to love it because you're like, oh, I don't I don't want to be into it. But God, they're making me a little into it. Yeah, I I mean, I and I'll just say it again. Rachel Weiss could do literally anything she wanted to my body and I would thank her. So including spit into your mouth. I want it on the record right now, Lauren. Would you let Rachel Vice spit into your mouth? <laughs> Rachel, if you're out there, <laughs> I want you to know the answer is yes. <laughs> anyway, after the the sp- the spitting, which is kind of like it's a shot that's very disjointed from the rest of it. Like there, it doesn't really, I mean, the whole pace of the thing is this kind of like frantic snapshots, which is 
funny because uh, Ronnie is a photographer, like all lesbians in film. Um, but I don't know if I don't know if most people are going to get that. But photographer is a very common profession in like indie <laughs> lesbian films. <laughs> um, Just vague and creative. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they kiss for a while it seems like the emotional intensity is kind of dying down as they're just kind of languidly making out for a while and then it cuts pretty abruptly to a profile of Rachel McAdams then on the bed for the first time in this encounter (laughs) as only her only Rachel McAdams is in frame as she simulates having an orgasm Mm -hmm. man I mean I see that shot and it immediately turns me off because I'm like, <laughs> Rachel Vice is like at crafty right now. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like Rachel McAdams is doing an amazing job uh, as an actor because there's literally nothing happening below the belt, you know? Like, uh-huh. it turns me off immediately because I can tell that she's just laying there and making orgasm noises. Very good ones, but still. <laughs> In like a long sleeve black leotard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, it's true. You can't see at all what's happening. Um, and there are there are shots where that works more effectively to uh, enhance how titillating the scene is sort of in in the way that things that you can't see are always scarier or sexier or whatever, because they Mm -hmm. force you to use your imagination. It's not particularly effective in this moment. Yeah. And uh, interestingly, I read that originally they were going to have both women come on screen, but they decided to cut that so that it would focus more on Estes sort of journey and release once she's done crying out, we cut again to the two of them lying in bed. Uh, Esty's obviously naked from the waist down and Ronnie has her head in her lap and Esty is just caressing her hair. And it's just a beautiful little post-coital moment. Mm-hmm. I really do like that. That's really beautiful. It is lovely. Yeah, that's the scene it's in, in its entirety. I like this one. I expected to have a stronger negative reaction to it. I can see Mm -hmm. exactly why you chose it for this, but it's definitely milder than I expected. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think uh, the way media tends to do people kind of blew it out of proportion. People were comparing it to blue is the warmest color. It's not that. No, definitely not. (laughs) Definitely not. (laughs) And uh, I have a few interesting quotes. Uh, Rachel Weisz, of course, was very poetic when she talked about this scene. She said, it was like a choreographed piece of music. We were creating a visual grammar for a kind of abandoned sex. Okay. I, bar- I barely know what that means. I don't know. I don't know what she's anything. talking about. But no. McAdams has a more direct uh, quote <laughs> where she says, um, I was excited that Sebastian was doing something new. It's provocative and brings the audience into something intimate. And about the spit in particular, she said, the makeup department tested out different flavors of lube the night before to use as a spit. We settled on lychee flavor. (laughs) That's interesting. I guess I would have expected that it was actual spit since they were literally just 
tonguing each other through the whole scene anyway. <laughs> like, just lean all the way in, I guess, in my opinion. It's not like your mouth isn't full of her spit anyway. <laughs> well, you know what I think it is? Y- you know how rain doesn't look good on camera? Mm-hmm. I have a feeling it's that. I have a feeling they're like... Well, we can't use spit. Spit doesn't look like spit on camera. You've got to use lube because that looks like spit. That's fair. Yeah. So That's totally fair. Movie magic, people. <laughs> Movie magic. Uh, yeah. I mean, at least it wasn't like, you know, just globs of glycerin or whatever. It, lube is at least <laughs> meant to be used in the human body. Yeah, I don't think you're supposed to, like, drink it. <laughs> that's fair. That's basically what i've got for you should i break it down into the stop scale now stop tell me more stop we start of course with soundtrack and uh this is part of the score so again probably not going on our playlist (laughs) but it's a score by uh matthew herbert uh i wonder oh god now i'm wondering if it's like herbert or something fuck (laughs) Is he a Matthew or a Matthew? Because if he's a Matthew, I'd give you Air Bear. But if he's a Matthew, just call him Matthew Herbert. (laughs) No, he's a Matthew. Okay. All right. Matthew Herbert. Matthew (laughs) Herbert, who had previously worked with the director on A Fantastic Woman. This score, it's, it's very soft. I saw it described as a kind of like playful uh, accompaniment to... Uh, the very serious rest of the tone is that it is just a little bit lighter. It is just a little bit, you know, well, it, it, it reminds me of like something I would see in like an opera. That's about like a fawn wandering in a forest Glen or something, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's got that vibe. It's, so it's sort of a it's sort of supposed to be a moment of like relief and levity for these characters. They're finally away from the pressures and tensions and expectations of this super conservative community. And so the music lightens up a little, too. Yeah, exactly. You got it. <laughs> uh, so I, I I think it really serves the tone of the scene. I think it really I, I think it's honestly quite beautiful in, in and of itself, just as a piece of music. It's something I could picture listening to, like, again, in, in a concert. So I give it a four, even though it's not particularly sexy and not something we can really fuck to. But it really does serve the scene. All right. And next is time. So this scene is longer than the bodyguard scene. Still not nearly as long as Blue's The Warmest Color, though. So it's about three and a half minutes. What are you laughing at? What are you doing? <laughs> the, the sex scenes are like on a scale of bodyguard to Blue's The Warmest Color. And this is just right in the middle. <laughs> uh, I mean, kind of. So I think it does use time effectively. Again, I've, I mentioned this is, I think, a perfect example of how, you know, these, these non-continuous cuts really do add to the emotion of the scene because like I said, it's like photographs. It's like you're getting snapshots of their intimacy and it's clearly, Ooh, here's a good sentence. Just like the film is like a snapshot on this moment, this incredibly tense moment in time. Uh, it's, it's a microcosm in this scene because 
we are seeing just snippets of this beautiful, momentous occasion. Um, so I, I really do think the time is is very good. Although I did mention how I think it kind of the emotional intensity starts to dip at one point. It, it does, and then there's just a shot of Rachel McAdams trying, like, pretending to have an orgasm. It's it's almost like a a little too indulgent. It's almost like you could lose a few seconds of the kissing, I think, which is not usually how I feel. And very often I'm like, I could stand to spend more time with the kissing. But in this one, they really let you watch that tongue action for a while. Um, And at first you're like, oh, yeah, baby, I like that. And then Mm -hmm. it kind of goes on long enough that you're like, all right, right, we get it. I suppose they throw in enough curveballs and sort of surprises that I don't think anything becomes really tedious. But they keep it they keep it pretty fresh, even though they are just kissing for the most part. I would like to uh, pitch a new sex scene term to you. Okay. This is sort of uh, along the lines of the stimulus check. Um, a weird sex thing that you're not expecting isn't a curveball; it's a curveball. <laughs> <laughs> They throw us a okay. little bit of a perv ball. <laughs> a perv ball. Okay. We're developing our own glossary here. <laughs> Let's get it on film. Okay. All right. I can tell you're not sold. And honestly, I think yeah, you just need to yeah. sit with it for a minute and you'll come around. <laughs> okay. You did remind me, though, that this is an example of the stimulus check. I mean, it's between two women who that's pretty much all they're doing is stimulating each other's clitorises. So I don't know that it can really be used to its its greatest effect here. <laughs> the stimulus check is really a call out of straight men. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, time, if I didn't say it before, I think I'm going to give it a four. I, I do like how it uses time. Authenticity, authenticity. I put a big question mark here. <laughs> I don't really know what to do with this. Uh, yeah, I got nothing, Kate. What do you think? What do you? What's your argument? Like sex is reasonably authentic. I mean, speaking as a woman who's never had sex with a woman, um, aside from like maybe the spitting, all seems pretty legit in terms of like the wider context of it all. Oh, mm. <laughs> I was more caught off guard by the wig thing where mm. I understand mm-hmm. that Orthodox women cover their hair, but I didn't know they did it with wigs. I thought it was more like a scarf situation. So that I was like, did she just take off hair to reveal more hair? <laughs> <laughs> it was a drag queen style reveal. <laughs> So that was a little uh, yeah. uh, surprising for me, which is maybe just my ignorance. Um, and then the spitting, obviously, is a little like, I guess it's authentic. People do do that in a sort of your kink is not my kink and that's okay sort of way. Yeah. But I mean, there's nothing about it that makes me go like, <laughs> okay, like somebody being penetrated 10 seconds after they start kissing. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, it, yeah. Hmm. You know, I was probably, I, I, again, I did not know where I was going to land on this. I'm going to give it another four. I think that's fair. They're doing things within the realm of possibility and they seem like, they are actively getting off and enjoying themselves. And, uh, you know, it, it, 
that's fine. You just have a good time, ladies. (laughs) I'm going to move on. (laughs) Heat. (laughs) I mean, heat is kind of like in the same vein. They're so into what they're doing that on a certain like vicarious level, you can kind of experience what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. I just, there are so many perv balls as you've termed the phrase. <laughs> You'd come around. <laughs> there are so many perv balls that it just, it, it's, it like just gets me every time I'm like fully committed. They just, throw something at me that I'm like not into. So I don't know. I'm thinking a three or a four. I, yeah. I mean, I think that's again, why this is such a good choice for the love hate thing, because it is really hot. It's really hot Mm -hmm. and you don't totally uh, want it to be as hot as it is. Yeah. I, I would score this really high, even though I am not necessarily into what they're doing. It's really effective anyway. Yeah, I think it's really, really hot. (laughs) Was that a sentence? I don't think that was like actual. (laughs) I don't think that was a complete thought. I think that was just me being like, (sighs) Rachel Vice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's you. You've won me over with that argument. I think I'm going to give it a four. Another four. Hmm. Four fours. Now, will the streak continue into production value? I think... Okay, this is going to reveal some stuff about me. <laughs> Have you ever seen those, uh, those like porn making companies that like brand themselves as like we are for women by women? Yes, <laughs> you see those. Uh huh. It's it's always like a perfectly white room with like billowing soft white curtains and some fucking tiny person uh porn star is like relaxing in this very bright white environment <laughs> and there's no real personality to where they are that's what i see when i see this scene i just see this very bland setting i know it's meant to be a hotel room but it's also the muted colors which is a conscious decision that they made throughout this very bleak film it's a lot of these, you know, tight close-ups on the face and not a lot of dynamic angles or positions. It's very standard. I, I think the acting is very good, but I think the actual design choices are not my favorite. Yeah, I, there's nothing that I dislike about the production value. It's, I think it all contributes to an overall theme and style is the impression I got right away. Exactly. That everything's a little grayed out. Everything is very muted mm-hmm, and that kind of mm-hmm. plays into everything that they do there. There are no framing or editing or lighting choices or anything that that's anything other than uh, like background noise. <laughs> I, I think even background noise is, is generous. It's, it's, it's basically silence. <laughs> I think that's a little harsh. Okay. There's nothing about this scene that makes me say like, oh, that's low quality or, oh, I would do that differently. Maybe I would edit a few seconds out of it. Mm. 
I mean, other than that, the editing isn't distracting in a way that would be bad and the lighting is good. It's just not, I, I don't know, nothing innovative is happening, surely. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not saying it's bad. I, I don't think it's bad. I just, it doesn't, it doesn't wow me. You know, it, it's serving the director's vision. So I give it a very mild three. Yeah. It all does just feel like a vehicle for the acting, which I think yes. is fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this is one of the scenes that has haunted me and probably contributed to me uh, wanting to do a podcast like this, because <laughs> where else would I be able to talk about the things that this scene elicits in me? My God, you needed to air your grievances. Not even grievance. I needed to get everything off my chest about this scene. Just, Rachel Weiss, please, this is a direct appeal. Please spit in my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) That needs to be the preview for this episode. (laughs) Wow. Oh my god, that was funny. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end, Lauren, um, of another episode of Let's Get It On Film. So, uh, loyal listeners, we want to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get It On Film. You can find our website at www.letsgetitonfilm.com. You can send us an email at info at letsgetitonfilm.com. Tell us what you're watching. Uh, what you think we should be watching. You have an episode idea. Mm-hmm. If you uh, want to give us your unvarnished thoughts on spitting in each other's mouths. Just kidding. Don't tell us that. Don't okay. do that. Yeah, um, no, that, I agree. Don't do that. <laughs> but if you do address them to Kate, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you can feel those ones. Okay. Uh, perfect. Uh, yeah. Again, We're light on songs for our playlist, but you can check us out on Spotify. We are the Let's Get It On Film Fuck Jams playlist. Uh, That's also on our website. So check that out. And uh, you should check us out on our website because we do post these scenes that we discuss. But please be careful because they are not safe for work. And yeah, do the things that podcasts like. That was a weird way to phrase that. Do the things, you know, the ones that are like, rate and review, leave us a thing on iTunes. You can do that for us, too. We're a podcast. (laughs) So you can find us where you get your podcasts. Don't forget to like and subscribe. That does good things for our ratings. It gets more ears on our work, on our very, very important work. You know you want to spread the word because how can this brilliant mission not be shared with as many people as possible? (laughs) And uh, as always, just remember to uh, keep it pervy. Keep it pervy. of us.